Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Calgary Real Estate Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to real estate in our beautiful city. My name is Kimberly Poffneroth, and I am joined by my mom and my co-host, Barb Richardson. Now let's jump in. everyone, and we are excited to welcome our guest here today, Don Kotick, who is president and CEO of Sotheby's International Realty Canada. He has held executive leadership positions across many of North America's largest real estate brands and has also served as a director for Canada's most influential real estate boards and associations, including the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Real Estate Institute of Canada, and the Toronto Real Estate Board. Since joining the company, Don has led Sotheby's International Realty Canada to achieve a record Canadian sales volume exceeding $9.48 billion in 2021 with a team of elite agents who represent the best in the industry. He is a proud ambassador of the iconic Sotheby's International Realty brand with its legacy of excellence, unwavering bespoke client service, and unparalleled global exposure. I am so pleased to welcome you here today. And of course, my mom and I are very excited to have you here today as our president and CEO of the amazing brand. Kim, thank you for the nice introduction, and it's great to see both you and Barb today. And yeah, I'm looking forward to a great chat this afternoon. Yes, I also welcome you here, Don. Really happy to have you on this podcast. So let's maybe kick off the podcast and talk a little bit more about your background and how you got to this point and what really enticed you to take over the leadership role at Sotheby's. Okay, sure. Well, prior to joining Sotheby's, I worked for the parent company, which was Peerage Realty Partners, which is owned by Peerage Capital, which is owned by Miles Nadell. And for the last five years, I had been doing mergers and acquisitions. And at the time, Sotheby's Canada had come onto the market. And so we did our due diligence on the company. And, you know, through that whole due diligence process, I got to learn more about the Sotheby's brand and what an amazing brand it was. The fact it goes back to 1744. And I found it just really, really kind of intriguing. And I got to know more about the company. In prior career jobs throughout my career, I had worked with a lot of the managing brokers and a lot of the agents throughout my career. So when Miles Nadell said, Don, do you want to go over and run Sotheby's? I jumped at the opportunity. And it was like coming home, seeing some of the agents, seeing some of the managers that I had used to work with. And I love the fact that I was working for such an iconic brand of Sotheby's. And that's how I ended up here. And it's been a fantastic ride. And we've done a lot of changes in the probably three and a half years that I've been here. But it's been a wonderful experience. And we're looking forward to a phenomenal future. And working with wonderful people like the two of you just makes it all worthwhile. Well, and I can say from my time at Sotheby's, it's been fantastic to have your leadership here, Don. And I joined probably 10 years ago and from another national real estate brand. And I really 
chose to join Sotheby's because of the brand, because of the superior marketing that Sotheby's does over all the other real estate brands, and because of the caliber of the agents. It just kind of brings it up a notch, the average agent within Sotheby's compared to other real estate brands. So, of course, when my daughter started her real estate career, you know, I strongly encouraged her to consider the Sotheby's brand, and it's been awesome to have her join the team. Well, and it's been so excited because of, I mean, not only the marketing and just the level of agents that we're working with, but the international global exposure, the ability to connect with offices all over the world, with brokers all over the world. Like you definitely feel a little bit of a community within the brand. And I think that's one of the things that makes us really unique is we are in 81 countries and a lot of other brands talk about being global. They talk about international, but I don't think anybody really achieves kind of the international network that we have. And, you know, next year we have the global networking event where people will come from all over the world and it's a chance to meet people from these 81 countries. And the level of professionalism, the level of marketing, the international referral network really makes us truly unique. And there's just so many other value add that I think, you know, makes us an undifferentiated brand in the marketplace. Absolutely. And I can't wait for that global networking (laughs) to meet everyone from across the world here. But with that, Don, you're based in Toronto. So we kind of want to talk a little bit about the Canadian real estate market as a whole and what we're seeing, you know, in these different cities. I know, of course, being based in Ontario, you're seeing the craziness over there or have been for the past few years. But we just want to have a little bit of a discussion on what's happening across Canada and what your take is here? So I think there's a number of things that are happening. If you look at it from kind of a high level national perspective, we're coming off two years of a record setting kind of anomaly. We've never seen the kind of market that we've seen in the past two years. And a lot of that has been driven by COVID. And so when people start making comparisons to saying, well, you know, the month over the year to date comparisons, they're actually comparing to, you know, numbers that are really out of the ordinary, right? So I think we're coming into a more normalized market. You're in a wonderful location. Alberta is probably leading the pact in Canada right now. But for the last two years, you know, we've lived in this record setting kind of crazy market and we're coming out of it. And it's almost like we're coming back to a more normalized market in most of the major national centers. And that's one thing that people have to realize is that we still have record low interest rates. Now, we've been shocked recently because the Bank of Canada has had some fairly large increases in the rates. The last bump was 100 basis points. Nobody thought they were going to do 100 basis points. So that was a bit of a shock. And I think if they had have done it earlier, I think there's a lot of people that believe that It was almost a little late to the game for them to do this. And now there's talk about another rate increase on September 7th. And people are now throwing around anywhere from 50 to 75 basis points. Now, I believe that that could have a major shock in terms of the market if they do that. You know, I think the market has been adjusting. We are returning to a normalized market. I don't really see the need for the Bank of Canada to come in with a 75 basis point 
hit at this particular point in time, you know, because the market is coming back to the normalized market. So it is actually, there has been somewhat of a slowdown. We're seeing prices fluctuate a little bit and come down. We've seen the multiple offers pretty much disappear. So for them to do another 75 basis points when we have extraordinary, you know, really high levels of cost of living, inflation is high. It's almost like it should have been done a while ago if it was going to be done, but I don't really see the need for that happening now. So if they do that, I'm not sure how the market is going to react, but markets absorb everything over time. So even if the market is shocked by that and depends on how the media responds, the media loves to obviously you know, paint a darker picture, but the media can also create a lot of problems on how this is going to proceed by the market. But at the end of the day, whatever happens, it will be absorbed. Canada has a chronic undersupply of inventory. We have for decades. And that's something that governments have always tried to do, buyer side kind of fixes to improve that. But that's not going to impact the fact that we have a chronic undersupply of inventory. So I think from my perspective, I'm actually fairly optimistic about the market. You know, we still have excessive government spending. I wish the federal government would stop and get their spending in check. Maybe this is the way the Bank of Canada is trying to tell the federal government to stop spending. But I think if we can get inflation under control, the market is going to return to a more normalized market in the future. And so at this point in time, barring some big shock and some global event, I'm actually quite optimistic from a global and national perspective in terms of the real estate market. And I mean, the global factors like, wow, I mean, between the war in Ukraine and, you know, as we talked about inflation, interest rates, the strength of the Canadian and U.S. dollar against some other currencies, we've had a lot of these exterior Impacts. I mean, I certainly know in our own local market, the war in Ukraine and some of these things have been contributing to record high oil prices. So that's certainly been a contributor to some of the recent boom in Calgary and the luxury market, especially. But any other thoughts on some of these global factors and how you see that impacting Canadian real estate going forward? Once again, it depends on how our federal government responds to some of these. You know, there's been a pullback in a lot of the European countries in terms of refocusing on what's best for the country as opposed to focusing on some of the green agendas. We haven't seen that from our federal government yet, but we do sit on a lot of natural gas. We do sit on a lot of petroleum products. You know, we can produce them in a very clean, effective way. So hoping that uh, some clearer heads prevail and we find out ways that we can use these to further the economy. Obviously, with the war and in a lot of the global tension, there's talk about food shortages. There's talk about the impact on fertilizers. You know, do we cut back on fertilizers based on green agendas or do we make sure that there's food on the table for people? So there's a lot of, like you said, Barb, in terms of the global environment that is out there. And we really don't know how our federal government is going to respond to a lot of these, which probably creates a lot of uncertainty. So we just have to wait and see on how these play out in the Canadian market. But, you know, once again, I hope pressure from, you know, everybody prevails and we do what's best for Canadians and we do what's best for obviously everybody globally, but also what's best for people in Canada. Absolutely. And I think one of the interesting points that you said was talking a bit about the undersupply that Canada has for real estate. And I imagine, especially in Toronto and Vancouver, that's really driven the prices up 
astronomically over the past few years. And there's predictions that those would come down up to 25% in those markets. But it's easy for media headlines to grab that and make it sound like that's going to be the case across the board, a 25% decrease in values. Do you see that? Or is that, you know, more of a media headline? I mean, Toronto and Vancouver just definitely have more room to go down because they've gone up so much compared to like, say, Alberta and other places in the country. It's interesting. When you talk about these price changes, you, sometimes you need a little clarity because, you know, right now there's a shortage of detached homes, especially in Vancouver and Toronto. So if there's a shortage, that means that the inventory in that higher price range is not selling. So you're going to see more activity in the condominium market, which is at a lower average price. So then all of a sudden, you know, people are saying, oh, the prices are falling and prices are falling. But that's because this one segment of the market isn't actually being represented in the numbers, right? And this is where it's dangerous to use these benchmark numbers unless you know granularly what people are talking about. So it may look like there's a 30% drop, but it may be because there's no detached homes selling and it's all condominiums that are priced substantially less. So that's one thing that the media doesn't talk about when they talk about these dramatic increases. Now, the other thing, too, that we have to realize is that, you know, for the last little while, we have not had immigration. And the federal government is talking about bringing two million new immigrants into Canada over the next three years. And now they're even talking about bumping those numbers even higher. Typically, 60 percent of those two million people are going to be in the home buying class. So that means that they're definitely going to get into the rental market, which is going to put pressure on the rental market. But they're also going to look for a home as soon as they're eligible to buy, which is going to obviously create more buyers. So we have this chronic undersupply of inventory. We have all of these buyers coming in. We have pent-up buyer demand. So I don't see the situation definitely declining over the next little while. I think there will be continual pressure on prices and demand is going to be there for the foreseeable future. And I know a lot of people I talk to share this view. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to you know, make it to a lot of the media at this point in time, but that's kind of my thinking in terms of what's going to unfold. So when I hear you say that, in my mind, that's the perfect storm for an investment opportunity. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The governments, a lot of times, they like to blame the investor market. They like to, you know, say it's the foreigners that are impacting the market. But the reality is when investors buy property, they put them in the rental market, right? And the housing market is a spectrum, right? As people move along the housing spectrum, hopefully they move up. But if you have congestion at one segment of the housing market, you're not going to have people being able to move along. And that's what's happened is we have shortages, like you have the spectrum and you could have the first time home buyers, or even before that, you could have subsidized housing. You could have first time home buyers, the conventional market, the luxury market, ultra luxury market, and people tend to move along that spectrum. But when there's a bottleneck at one of those areas on the spectrum, then that's when we tend to see, obviously, prices go up. And right now we do have this inventory and Canada is a global destination, you know, in light of some of the problems we have internally, they pale in comparison to what's going on in some of the other countries. So people want to come to Canada, and that's going to put more strain on our housing stock. And we also have 
a lot of, you know, in terms of levies and development restrictions, sometimes at the municipal level, and a lot of governments talk about doing something to fix this, but they're really not doing it. Like sometimes people are waiting anywhere from five to 10 years from the time they want to build to the time they actually, you know, get something built, which is absurd. So, you know, until we clear out some of these bureaucratic backlogs, we're not going to see the inventory grow at a substantial rate especially when we have the number of home buyers and renters that are trying to get into the market. Very interesting points. And one thing I was kind of laughing a bit at your comments on the media and what we read in the headlines and how it is often misinterpreted. I said, I always use my 85-year-old mother as my benchmark because anytime Calgary Herald report comes out or a news article about the real estate market has fallen 20%, I'll get a phone call and she'll say, oh, I bet you're not going to be very busy. And, you know, she kind of reacts very strongly. And generally, I find when stats are thrown out, it refers to the number of transactions, like the volume of activity, not always the price point. And people always get that confused when they hear that by the media. And uh, yeah, I do think a lot of our role as real estate advisors is educating the market on what's real and segmenting it by detached homes versus townhomes versus condos and, you know, really helping the market understand kind of what's happening. Yeah, very interesting point. I think that's one of the things that makes the Sotheby's realtors unique is the fact that we do tend to have experienced realtors. And I think it's really important for a consumer to really understand how a realtor can help them. And that's one thing that I'm really proud is that the level of professionalism and expertise of the Sotheby's realtors definitely does aid our consumers in understanding the market and navigating things. Because when the market gets tight, that's the time you need to call in a realtor. Or if things are fast, you need a realtor. You want to make sure that you've got somebody that really understands the market, understands the local nuances, and is able to navigate through tricky or unusual situations. And That's one thing that I'm very proud of, you know, especially the two of you, that we held our realtors to a very high standard. Absolutely, we do. And I think one of the interesting things from even a realtor perspective is we're constantly getting asked, you know, and have to understand how the rental markets are as well from not just investment points of view for investors looking at the market, but also what these first-time home buyers or future buyers can afford in rent versus purchasing a property. And it seems like across Canada, Calgary included, but rental rates are just really going up and the rental markets, you know, becoming harder and harder for renters to enter the market. Is that what you're kind of seeing across Canada? And how do you think that will start to impact the for sale market? I think that that is a trend that we're seeing right across the market. As rates typically rise, the hardest hit by any type of rate increase are going to be the first-time home buyer or people in the conventional segment of the market, but probably at the lower end of the home price spectrum. So these people, you know, they might have just been pushed out. So then they're going to look for obviously rental vacancies. And that's where we've seen the number of rentals on the market has declined because more people have moved out or some of them have delayed waiting to see if there's going to be any shift in the market. So they've gone to the rental side, which then, you know, if you're an investor, you may say, okay, well, I don't mind if interest rates go up a little bit. They're still historically low. You can still get 
under a 6% mortgage rate. So, you know, then you can work through your cap rates and determine if the investment works for you. But as rates goes up, it becomes more attractive to the investors. And then depending on your situation, if you have one or two rental places, maybe you want a little bit of a lot for a little while. So you don't mind investing in something that might lose money for a few years or that. So I think we are seeing the rental situation tighten which is going to definitely, you know, put the spotlight on investors and bring people that were sitting on the sidelines from the investor perspective back into the market, which is going to mean they're going to start buying more properties. So once again, you know, the market is going to always perform. There's always going to be people in the marketplace that have to buy or sell, whether they are wanting to get into the housing market for the first time, whether they have to buy or sell for a life experience. There's always going to be people that need to buy and sell. And then, you know, when the market changes, different people come in because obviously, in this case, the investors will probably get more interested in the market as the rates go up. So the future bodes well for real estate. It always has. It's performed, you know, much better than investments in some of the equities that have been there. And a lot of people realize that. And, you know, there's a lot of global uncertainty in terms of, you know, what's going to happen from a global perspective. The one tried and true really is real estate. And so, I think there might be a flight to real estate if things get more uncertain in the foreseeable future. You know, Kim and I were just reviewing this morning the Zonda Urban, which is where Kim previously worked, to track the multifamily market across Canada. They just came out with their mid-year report and rental rates in Calgary went up 13% in the second quarter of this year. I mean, that is phenomenal. I just had a call last week from a girlfriend whose kids were looking for rent and she asked me if I could introduce them to a property manager to try to come up with properties because our traditional websites like RentFaster and ones like that, there's lineups, there's waiting lists. We haven't seen a market like that for rentals in Calgary for a long time. So Kim and I spend a lot of time talking to Toronto buyers, investors, about investing in our marketplace, especially in the condo townhouse market, for the purpose of rental revenue based on what we're seeing. It's certainly a good opportunity. That's right. I mean, it's great to have that expertise. And, you know, there are a lot of people. I mean, if you look at the migratory rates of people, you know, in Ontario, in BC that are coming to Alberta, you are definitely a destination. You know, I see that continuing in the foreseeable future. There's a lot of different reasons why people are fleeing some of these other provinces. A lot of people still coming to some of those provinces, but I would say that Alberta is definitely a destination of choice. And I know the two of you are well positioned to receive all those people that are coming to your market. And I know they'll be well looked after. Absolutely. One of the trends that we are seeing in the States is that institutions are purchasing properties up to one in four homes in the U.S. are now being purchased by institutions and that's anticipated to increase by 40 percent by 2030. So because they're, of course, buying them to rent out. Do you anticipate that to become a larger trend in Canada? It's interesting. And this is my own personal opinion. We've seen a lot of trends like this that have happened in the past where we saw corporations start to buy homes and the concept works as long as the market works in their favor. I still think home ownership, especially in Canada and in the US, is really important to the culture of both our nations, right? And I think it will 
continue to be. I do believe that it's aspirational to own a home. I mean, we did a study on Gen Z and the millennials, and it, a lot of times people felt that, well, millennials don't really want to buy a home. And then we did the study, and the study actually said, no, on the contrary, not only do they want to buy a home, but they aspire to have a single family home. So that kind of shocked the traditional thinking. You know, there's a lot of kind of cycles and trends that we go through in the real estate business. And I really believe that the corporations buying these homes is something that will probably last for a little while. And I don't think it's going to get a lot of traction in Canada. I think culturally, we're quite a bit different here. And it works on certain socioeconomic classes. But I don't think it's going to take hold in Canada that's my opinion, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And I think at the end of the day, five years from now, a lot of these companies that have been buying them will probably unload them, right? But we'll see. Time will tell. Nobody really knows. But I've seen enough of these over the last few decades to know that things come and go. And this sounds like another one of those concepts that will probably come and eventually go. You know, I tend to agree with that, too. I was actually surprised reading this CBC article about these numbers coming out of the States. I think it, you know, has to do with their oversupply of inventory in a lot of markets, where, as you chatted about earlier, Canada's in a chronic state of undersupply. So that certainly uh, differentiates things. But I know we've talked and we really wanted to get your perspective in, you know, in Canada, Canadian real estate in general. But now let's just talk a little bit more about Calgary specifically. We certainly know what we've been seeing in Calgary. And you were quoted in an article in the Herald on the weekend about your comments about the luxury market in Calgary. And I know we just came out with our recent mid-year top tier report and Calgary and Alberta are certainly leading the country for the first time in a long time. I would say, in growth in the luxury sector. So what are you seeing in that segment of the market? Actually, I would love to hear first what you're seeing before I comment, because obviously you are right deeply involved. And I'll tell you kind of what I'm seeing from a high level, macro level. I think a couple of things and jump in here, Kim. I think, you know, we have seen a steady growth in the luxury market. Now, luxury in Calgary, we classify as anything over a million. So it's got a different classification in Toronto and Vancouver. But most of the buyers, especially in that two to four million dollar mark, are not really influenced by interest rate increases or even inflation to a large degree. I think things that impacted them more earlier in the year was the stock market correction, because often they're selling stock to purchase. But uh, most of these luxury buyers are fairly resilient to that. A lot of people now have stock options in oil and gas worth a lot of money in Calgary. Those people are certainly investing. And I think because of the differentiation in what you get for a luxury property for three or four million in Calgary compared to the other markets, it's starting to stimulate a lot of buyers from Toronto, Vancouver and the island coming to purchase kind of in the Calgary market. So we just see continued strength and growth in the luxury market in Calgary. No, I totally agree with that. And the other thing, too, that I've been hearing about is uh, there's a lot of businesses that have been looking to Calgary. Affordability for their employees is something that is really important on where they're going to relocate. There's two markets from a major market perspective that are affordable and really 
Montreal and Calgary with Calgary leading the way as probably one of the most affordable major markets. And as a result of that, I know a lot of tech companies are looking to come and start up in Calgary. And there's a lot of science-based companies that are looking to come to Calgary as well, too. So I think the general consensus is Calgary and Alberta is open for business and businesses are taking this very seriously. And I think that is drawing a lot of the businesses and a lot of the times, you know, people follow jobs. And also too, I think the fact that a lot of the baby boomers that are retiring, you know, are looking to get more land for their dollar. And you get the beautiful lifestyle of uh, Alberta and Calgary and Edmonton as well, too, that you have the mountains. We don't have that in Ontario. Of course, you have it in BC, but it's a lifestyle decision that's drawing a lot of people out there. And once again, the luxury buyers, as you said, aren't subject to interest rates, less concerned about interest rates, and they're more concerned about quality of life. They're concerned about the types of amenities that they can get in their homes. And they're in a position where they can wait things out or they can find that right property, you know, that has the amenities that will give them that quality of life. And so that's one of the, or a few of the reasons that we see people migrating to Calgary specifically. Absolutely. And we also, right now, it kind of feels like we're one of the most undervalued cities across Canada. Do you anticipate that to change as there's an increased demand in Calgary? Once again, I think, you know, you've got areas that you can develop, right? As the demand increases, I think your governments may be a little more nimble than some of the other governments and some of the other areas. So I think if you need to add to supply, I mean, you've got the land, so you can definitely add to it. Whereas, you know, somewhere in Toronto, you're somewhat restricted by some of the natural barriers. You don't have that restriction. So I see a very bright future for Calgary and Alberta. And, you know, I think it bodes well, not only in the conventional market, but also in the luxury. And once the luxury market starts to gain momentum, then you start to see the ultra luxury market pick up as well, too. So they're all tied in together. But once again, the future is very optimistic, in my opinion, for you specifically in Calgary and for Alberta generally. And we've also been excited to see kind of the rebound in the condo market in Calgary because it was so decimated from 2014 to kind of 2021. And then with COVID, everybody moving out of sight of downtown and not working downtown and wanting more space and acreages, it just kind of fell even further. So the last year, I mean, the growth and the realism that people are going to work downtown again and people want to move downtown into higher density again. And it's been really exciting to see that whole market start to come back. And I still think it's got huge growth potential. I think anyone investing kind of across Canada who wants to have some upside between what's happening with our rental rates and the fact that you can still get in and buy a two-bedroom, two-bathroom condo for 250000 in Calgary in a major center where you can hop on the LRT or walk to your office is going to be radically different in a couple of years to come. So it's an exciting market to be in at that urban high density market as well as the luxury. So that's the great thing about real estate. You can play across all of them. No, absolutely. And yeah, you're right. I think timing right now is perfect to get into the condo market. And also too, a lot of these people that are relocating out there, you know, could be looking at a pied-à-terre for their condo and a larger ranch for their principal dwelling. 
and still take the money that they've gained from their equity in their home in other provinces and still have some money to spare. So there's definitely opportunity for probably an upside in the condo space for sure. So yeah, it's uh, definitely something people should be looking at. I agree. And it's cool seeing the bounce back of downtown. I think for a while there was all this fear that downtown would never be the same with COVID and people moving out, but it does feel like people are back in the office and 17th Ave is busy at all hours these days. And it's a nice feeling after, you know, that COVID hit. (laughs) Yeah. And we're seeing that in all the major centers, right? It's just fantastic to see the vibrancy that's back and, you know, nice to see almost no masks and just a return to normal living. And yeah, it's wonderful to see that vibrancy in all the major centers all across the country. Absolutely. So before we wrap up here, Don, do you have any tips or tricks that you would advise buyers or sellers across Canada if they're looking at getting in or getting out of the real estate market? What would you recommend? I think if you're not in the real estate market, there's never a perfect time to get in. But from what I've seen over the course of my life, you need to get into the market. And it may be cyclical, it may go down, but you're almost guaranteed that at some point it's going to appreciate. And it is probably one of the best assets that you can have. And that's been proven over time relative to other equities, other investments, other assets. So my advice is get in the real estate game and then you're able to move around and hopefully move up. But the sooner you get in, the better. And even if it went backward a little bit, it will come back. That's pretty much a given It's one of the few areas that the government has not taxed is the equity gain on our principal residents. And I know that there was some talk that the federal government was thinking about taxing that. I hope Canadians, you know, aren't passive. And if they do bring this back, that we stand up and fight for that, right? But it's the one thing that we can build our kind of nest egg and our wealth is in real estate. So, you know, we need to make sure that we keep that right and we don't lose that right. And in summary, my advice, get into the real estate game as soon as you can. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So uh, I'd like to wrap up and thank you very much, Don, for taking the time to share your insights and really your perspectives on the national real estate market. I think it'll be really valuable for our listeners. And one of the things we did mention today was a reference to the Sotheby's top tier report, which comes out quarterly. Really an interesting read. So if anyone's interested in who's listening and getting a copy of that, please reach out to Kim or I, and we can certainly share that with you. And thank you again, Don, for your time and sharing your perspectives. Thank you so much, Don. Oh, my pleasure. Wonderful to see you both, Kim and Barb, as always, and look forward to an exciting fall. And hopefully we'll see you live in person very soon. So thanks for having me on your show today and uh, look forward to talking to you both soon. With that, I would like to thank you all for tuning in to the Calgary Real Estate Podcast. My name, of course, is Kim Poffneroth, and I'm joined by my mom, Barb Richardson. If you're interested in learning more about the Calgary real estate market or getting in touch with a trusted real estate professional, we are always happy to chat. Please reach out to us at Calgary Real Estate Podcast or at our Sotheby's website, so Sotheby's International Realty Canada. And we work with the Richardson Group YYC, which my mom is the lead up. 
On behalf of myself, my mom, our little lapdog Coda, we want to thank you all for being here today. Have a great day.